Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Agriculture is Saskatchewan, and 620 CKRM is your source for everything ag. Welcome to our newly expanded Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. Here's your host, Jim Smalley. And a good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, brought to you by Seedmasters Nova Series 2. No clever message, just simple, no-nonsense precision. Learn more about the features at seedmaster.ca. Today, the long-delayed Federal Provincial Agriculture Minister's meeting gets underway in a virtual format. Agri-stability is expected to top the list of issues, and we take a look at the topic. We have our usual Friday market outlook on wheat and canola prices this week with Adam Piccalo of PI Financial. Columnist Andrew Coyne spoke at a recent farm forum about the deficit and the coronavirus. And we have a discussion with the CEO of Agrovision about international marketing during the time of COVID-19. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. Canola futures were on the rise again this week while spring wheat had some downward pressure. PI Financial Commodity Futures Advisor Adam Piccalo says canola was up $15 a ton this week, while spring wheat fell $0.06 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, where the canola market is sitting on the January contract, we're higher by approximately $15 a ton here this week. So again, strong trends definitely from the soy complex side of things. Um, on that front, weather was seen as a little less supportive recently, but there is continued dryness concerns um, that are supporting kind of the soy complex. Traders are, are also actually seeing strong demand from China um, as a reason to actually suspect higher U.S. exports and tightening ending stocks on the soybean side of things. So, But when it comes to the whole complex, bean, bean oil and meal markets, um, all are technically overbought and vulnerable to at least some type of short-term correction. So that's one thing that I am kind of watching here that, that might come about. In terms of wheat on the December Minneapolis, a little bit different again on the wheat side of things. Uh, actually a lower by about six cents a bushel here right now uh, on the week. So that's kind of one, one grain at least that hasn't really followed uh, kind of some of the others higher. So wheat's down, canola's up, but you don't sound very positive on, on the canola outlook. Any outlook that you see positive for either one? Well, actually, I would say I am actually positive on the outlook for canola. Uh, $600 a ton is in sight, I would say, on the futures. However, there could be a bit of a, a pullback here at some point. I think fundamentals and technicals do support the market to go higher, but whether it's going to be in a straight line up like we've seen is still yet to be known. So uh, on the wheat side of things, the market really does continue to be kind of choppy, choppy here short term. And the trend is, I would say, sideways to lower. And that's where I would say I'm not as bullish on, on wheat here currently. What is the outlook for next week and beyond? 
Well, next week, let's see if, again, these oil seed markets keep going higher. Um, that's going to be one thing to watch. Um, and then if we are going to see any, you know, corrective breaks and whether that's going to be selling opportunities. A lot of clients have been seeing, you know, at very good cash prices um, for the canola market. And that's where you know, I've been going over strategies with them on that. Adam Pacallo is a Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Selford Group. Call your Selford Equipment dealer or visit selfordgroup.com. The long-awaited Federal-Provincial Agriculture Minister's meeting begins today. It's been delayed twice and for the first time it's held virtually and split into two one-day sessions today and next Friday. That's likely a good idea considering the disagreement about changes to the business risk management program called AgriStability. There seems to be a consensus on the 85% trigger and removal of the reference margin limit. The question is how will the cost be split between Ottawa and the provinces? The traditional 60-40 split is not going to work, according to Agriculture Minister David Merritt of Saskatchewan. Well, when over 40% of the arable land is in this province and 3% of the tax base, I can tell you the numbers are very skewed on a per capita basis on what it costs this province to what it costs Ontario, Quebec, or British Columbia. The three prairie provinces are hit the hardest, and uh, they expect us to come to the table with proposal. I'd like to see her at least give us what they're looking at so that I can discuss it with my counterparts around the cabinet table and say, here's what it's going to cost the province of Saskatchewan. Meantime, the Ag Growth Coalition is proposing a compromise for the agriculture ministers to consider. The coalition's membership includes the Canadian Federation of Agriculture, Grain Growers of Canada, and the Canadian Horticultural Council. Dave Carey is Vice President of Government and Industry Relations with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. We understand the 60-40 federal-provincial funding split is sort of non-negotiable. It's set a precedent. But that's on the program. What we're asking for is creativity and the funding formula on any improvement. So if they increase the trigger, if they remove the RML, let's get creative. And maybe that doesn't have to be 60-40. Maybe the federal government can hold more of the weight on that uh, 90-10. But we're, we're asking the federal government that they have to be the ones to lead on. Kerry says it could be a temporary measure. You know, we've got another agriculture partnership framework coming out for 2023. That's the time to make the, the long-term fixes. Uh, we need to uh, uh, fix agri so that we can you know, limp along until the next framework. Kerry notes that in good times, there are no payouts for agri-stability. 2020 has been a relatively good year for most grain producers, but much more challenging for those in the beef and pork sectors. The Saskatchewan stock growers have partnered with Sask Tip and the Wildlife Federation to offer a reward for anyone convicted of illegally shooting livestock. Stock Growers General Manager Chad McPherson says a reward of $10,000 is being offered to help stop illegal shooting of livestock. This is the second year in a row that we've partnered with the Wildlife Federation and Sask Tip to offer a $10,000 reward for information leading to the conviction of whoever is responsible for, for shooting livestock. There was a handful of them last fall, and unfortunately there's been a few more reported this fall as well. So there's been some incidences in the southeast around Alameda, and in the northwest at Good Soil, and one at Tenlac that we're aware of. So this is an issue every hunting season? Well, some of these animals were shot out of hunting season, so they can't directly contribute it to hunting. would like to say that you know it's not uncommon for some animals to accidentally be, be shot during hunting season. 
But these cases seem to be blatantly criminal in nature and straight vandalism and destruction of property. So you've teamed up to try and prevent this or anybody that does it, they can be taken to court and suffer the extent of the full extent of the law. Yeah, three organizations are, are working together to get information to try to, to lead to conviction of the criminals involved in these cases. And uh, I guess we're trying to shine a light on it that this is happening and bring awareness to the situation and uh, discourage further events like this from happening potentially. Uh, I'd just like to encourage all landowners to keep an eye out for suspicious suspicious activities and uh, write down lights, plates and different things if, in case you ever do have an unfortunate incident happen. Chad McPherson is the manager of the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Association. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney. Brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamp's Integra Tire in Grenfell. Your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on The Source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update brought to you by the Canola School. Get canola agronomic information when you need it on your smartphone, tablet, or laptop. Our library of timely agronomic information is free and available at canolaschool.com. Sean Haney here with realagriculture.com and Real Ag Radio on Rural Radio 147. I'm joined right now by Dave Carey. He is the VP of Government and Industry Relations with the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Right now, where's the focus for CCGA as you're talking to all the different parties within, uh, within Ottawa? Yeah, no, great question. Uh, you know, I think there's a few different kind of tranches of meetings. Some are just introductory meetings where we have to just we have to create an understanding of canola growers and CCJ before we can kind of dive in. But if there were two issues to sort of zero in on, uh, you know, timing-wise, would be with uh, business risk management and, and agri stability uh, in the lead up to uh, this month's uh, uh, federal, provincial, territorial meetings of agriculture ministers and. Uh, so that there's been a big uh, concerted effort by CCJ and by the Agro Coalition and other groups um, to push for the changes to agri-stability. Uh, and the other one being uh, uh, biofuels and the use of uh, uh, canola as a feedstock in, uh, in biofuels. Uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of media attention and, and controversy around the clean fuel standard and the liquid stream. Um, but, you know, also being able to sort of parse out the difference between Biofuels are a good thing for farmers. The clean fuel standard could be an enabling tool for that. You know, we're not sure yet. But really, biofuels and BRM is sort of between now and, uh, you know, now and Christmas will be the uh, uh, the two big ones that are just sort of timely. Okay, let, let's, those are two ones I definitely want to chat about. So let, let's start with the FPT. It's coming up here very quickly. The feds in the provinces, particularly the western provinces, not really necessarily on the same page up until this point in terms of who's bucking up. Are are you confident, based on your discussions, that uh, we may see some sort of change here once we leave these FPT meetings at the end of November? You know, always tough to crystal ball because these things, you know, whatever I say, last forever. But I would say that, um, uh, you know, our asking the Ag Growth Coalitions is the the trigger returning to 85% and removal of the reference margin limit. My reading of the tea leaves at this point is that the removing the reference margin limit seems to be the area where there's the most uh, consensus between federal provincial governments. There's other, you know, compensation rates and, and payment rates, et cetera, been toyed with. Uh, the real see, crux of the negotiation seems to be around that trigger and, and who pays for it. And uh, I guess in our conversations federally is that uh, we certainly understand that agriculture shared jurisdiction, but 
constitutional supremacy wise, the uh, federal government does ultimately actually have more authority. And what we're asking for in these unprecedented times is that the provinces don't have the same, you know, fiscal abilities or, or boring powers, federal government that like in other sectors, we're asking the federal government to take leadership uh, and, and perhaps carry some more of the water, not, not long term, right? You know, we've got another agriculture partnership framework coming out for 2023. That's the time to make the, the long term fixes. Uh, we need to uh, uh, fix agri so that we can you know, limp along until the next framework. So what we've told, uh, including, you know, Minister Bebo just as of November 9th, just yesterday was, we understand the 60-40 federal-provincial funding split is sort of non-negotiable, can set a precedent, but that's on the program uh, itself as it is. What we're asking for is creativity and uh, the funding formula on any improvement. So if they increase the trigger, if they remove the RML, Let's get creative, and maybe that doesn't have to be sixty forty. Maybe the federal government can hold more of the weight uh, on that ninety uh, ten than maybe twenty seventy thirty, et cetera. But we're we're asking the federal government that has a mandate for confederation and their intergovernmental affairs that they have to be the ones to lead on this. Well, and the amount of dollars has been something that Saskatchewan. You know, we had uh, Saskatchewan Ag Minister David Merritt on. It's got to be about, a, about two months ago now. And you know, one of the things he talked about is that you know Saskatchewan has so many of the acres. That you know, it's a huge financial burden in terms of which which direction this goes. So, yeah, no, absolutely, and, and uh, certainly recognize that. And I think it's you know uh, one of the things that we've done, uh, CCJ and our partners in the Ag Growth Coalition, is trying to tell the story about business risk management to central agencies, you know, to finance, to Treasury Board, Prime Minister's Office, Deputy Prime Minister's Office. And the thing that strikes me is they're very used central agencies and those outside of agriculture are very used to talking about. Uh, support programs as you know funding envelopes you know it, it costs this x amount this year and, and the same amount next year etc where stability is a program that in good times does not pay this has been your real agriculture update you can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com it's your agri weather forecast on the source 620 ckrm the official 620 CKRM Farm Weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. The 620 CKRM Farm Weather, partly cloudy. 30% chance of light snow today. Wind up to 15 kilometers per hour. The high minus 8, the low minus 12. Wind chill minus 20 tonight and minus 14 overnight. Saturday, increasing cloudiness. 30% chance of light snow late tomorrow morning and in the afternoon. The wind northwest 20. The high minus 1, the low minus 11. Sunday, sunny with a high minus 6, the low minus 10. Monday, partly cloudy, the high minus 2, the low minus 10. Tuesday, sunny with a high zero, the low minus five. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high minus three, the low minus 11. Thursday, partly cloudy, the high minus nine. Normal high is minus three, the normal low minus 13. The sun rose at 821 this morning. It sets at 507 tonight. And around the province, the hot spot, Cypress Hills at minus four. The cold spot, up north, Collins Bay, minus 19. Estevan is minus 9, Saskatoon minus 14, Swift Current minus 10, Weyburn minus 9, Yorkton is minus 12. In Regina, cloudy and minus 11, that's 12 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west, southwest at 12. Humidity is 83%, the barometer is rising 103.4. Cloudy and Moose Jaw minus 12 degrees, winds are from the southwest at 11. Once again, Regina, cloudy and minus 11, that's 12 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment.
1-800-227-8. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougal Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougal Auctioneers. McDougalAuctions.com And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems expect the best. COVID-19 numbers are rising and the focus is on getting the virus under control. However, once that happens, the challenge will remain of dealing with the economic fallout. The Canadian deficit is expected to skyrocket to $330 billion this year, with $226 billion tied to various emergency pandemic relief programs. Andrew Coyne is a columnist with the Globe and Mail newspaper and was a feature speaker at the virtual Farm Forum event last week. Coyne says the large majority of Canadians understood the need for government intervention, but he wonders when these programs will be phased out. I think the Liberals see long-term opportunities to raise spending to levels that we have not seen in recent decades. That having hoisted spending up so high because of the pandemic and because of the basically universal approval there was for that as an emergency measure, they now seem inclined to leave it there. Uh, whatever spending that might be ratcheted back for emergency measures will simply be replaced by new spending on new programs. Coin does not believe that will be sustainable. Best. Back to our discussion with Andrew Coyne, and he doesn't believe it will be sustainable for the government to continue providing support programs during the pandemic. This is a bit of a bait and switch, I have to say. People understood the necessity of putting the economy into a coma to deal with the crisis. I don't think people signed on for the idea that the government would then perform all kinds of experiments on it while it was asleep. It is, a, a, I think, a bit of a, of a, uh, a breach of faith, frankly. Low interest rates have allowed the mass of government borrowing, but again, Coin questions how long those low rates can last. They've got only one way they can go, and that is up. And the only reason that interest rates are so low and have not risen in the face of these unprecedented and peacetime accumulations of debt, not only in Canada, but around the world, is because the Bank of Canada, like other central banks, has been buying so much of these uh, government bond issues. Okay, they can do that in the short term, and we're not necessarily going to lead to bad outcomes in the short term. But at some point, as the economy starts to pick up again, as we approach fuller employment, uh, the Bank of Canada is going to need to unwind a lot of that monetary stimulus, that quantitative easing. Coin says it will be a delicate process. It's going to have to unload some of those government debt instruments that it's purchased. Uh, and it's going to be doing so again at probably the same time that a bunch of other central banks will be trying to do the same thing. And I think it's a real question whether they're going to be able to find buyers for them or if so, at what kind of a discount. They're going to have to price them to move. And that means higher interest rates. So I don't think we can just assume that uh, because interest costs are low now for governments that they're going to remain there. Coyne says the federal government needs to pay more attention to policies that will stimulate long-term economic growth. Growth isn't just a problem in the short term. Growth is going to be a problem with us for decades because of this aging population, because of the not just the slowing of revenues that that represents, but the higher costs for health care. This is particularly a problem for uh, the provinces, a problem so dire that some of them are looking at potential um, insolvencies in the decades to come. 
the only way we're going to be able to deal with that in the long run is not by just simply borrowing that amount of money. And it's not by raising taxes to cover the difference. And it's not even by cutting spending. Even a plenty fiscal conservative such as myself is not going to claim that. The only way we're going to be able to address that dimension of fiscal challenges by a permanent annual increase in the rate of growth of national productivity. And Coyne goes on to say, It is, in my view, the most pressing challenge in the long term for this country to raise not only the growth rate of investment or the, the, the rate of investment, but also the quality of that investment. So that what's that going to need? It's going to need higher savings rates. It's going to need much more openness to foreign investment to supplement our domestic savings. It's going to need a much more competitive economy. And by that, I mean economy in which competition is allowed to drive out bad investment and drive in good investment. And then we stop protecting, for example, uh, the telecoms companies or the airline companies from foreign competition and a whole range of other things, knocking down interprovincial trade barriers. Quinn expects the Liberal minority government to last for some time because it will take all three opposition parties to support a non-confidence motion. However, he believes Prime Minister Trudeau would prefer an election before any rise in interest rates. Andrew Coyne is a newspaper columnist with the Globe and Mail. He was a presenter at the virtual Farm Forum event last week. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source, 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Diggleman Industries. Look to Diggleman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered, tough equipment on the market. Canadian Western Agribition is involved with international marketing this fall, despite cancelling the 2020 show due to the coronavirus. CEO Chris Lane says Agribition is offering a chance for cattle exhibitors to market their livestock through the internet. Well, one of the things that Agribition does year-round is, uh, you know, we're one of the only ag organizations that has an active outbound market development program, and what that means is, is that, is that we we do work in other countries that are interested in purchasing or investing in the kind of, uh, whether that's cattle genetics or, or other agricultural products that are featured here at Agribition. So we spend time year round making sure that the people of the buyers or importers or breeders in those other countries uh, know about uh, what's on offer here, can find a way to connect with our breeders or exhibitors here. And we do a lot of intelligence and, and connection building and relationship building in those countries so that when it all comes together at Agribition, we've that's how we put our 1,300 international guests in the room and get those international deals done. But the work around that, you know, that still has to happen year-round. So, you know, just because COVID's shut down, obviously, travel, you know, it doesn't mean that the business of, of, of improving beef cattle genetics around the world still isn't important and still isn't going on. So, we've, you know, we're building tools and we're doing... Um, uh, market intelligence work with our with our ambassadors in those countries to make sure that uh, that that the agribition brand and the platform is there for these exhibitors as soon as we can facilitate some more deals. And you're using the internet. I understand. Like, uh, for example, the agribition virtual yard. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, one of the things that that this year has given us the opportunity to do is create um, again a year-round presence online for our exhibitors who who you know. Clearly, the, the the best part about exhibition is having everybody under one roof and here, so you can, uh, you know, see and visit and 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 you know do a deal um, or promote your product right here in the barns. But you know, failing that outside of that, there's a real opportunity here that exhibition has to make sure that those same exhibitors uh, with those same products and animals or genetics in those cases still have a platform that exhibition can help 
promote and market. And so what we've done is, is recreated our entire website offering to make sure that it's all geared towards marketing what those exhibitors are in the business of selling. Um, and it's something that, that, you know, we've had a little bit of space and time to be able to do in all this. And I think it's something that's going to stick around that in addition to the great agribition experience in person that we all want to get back to, there's still this uh, online marketing platform that we help uh, build and we hope um, leads to business for all of our exhibitors year-round. There's a certain amount of uncertainty right now because of COVID-19, but you know, recently we've had some encouraging news. Your reaction, your thoughts, uh, the uncertainty is now we're talking about two vaccines. Well, it is welcome news. Um, you know, I'm no public health expert, but, uh, you know, I, I do spend most of my day thinking about how we get back to the business of what we do here at Agribition, and that's all encouraging. I think it's no no secret that it's been a struggle of a year for businesses like ours and, and like many others. Um, you know, so it's it, it's helpful and it's hopeful uh, when there's when there's positive news on the horizon. I think, you know, we're, we're now 12 months out from the 2021 show which will be our 50th and and i can tell you we're 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 really looking forward to that and getting past all this to the point where we can start building an in-person live uh, agribition once again and i think the, the you know the news about any potential vaccines is is always helpful and hopeful but as you said there's lots of uncertainty yet but it's not going to stop us from planning is the lifetime shareholder program still uh, under consideration? Yeah, we will be doing a lifetime shareholder program. This was something that we had on the books that we wanted to help you know, celebrate our 50th with. And uh, we we're doing some design work on exactly what's in that package and promotions of lifetime benefits for people and what exactly being a shareholder uh, really means. And so we're going to roll that out, I think, after Christmas here. And, uh, uh, and it will be part of the year-long lead-up and celebration and promotion of our 50th show. Is it still limited to 100 shares, and have you come up with what the price would be for the shares? I'm not going to tell you what the price is yet. It's uh, um, still under review based on what we're able to put in the package, so there's a couple moving parts yet to do. Um, but yes, it's going to be very limited. I think um, a maximum of 100 shares is still what we're aiming for. Uh, you know, The goal is um, uh, to make it a pretty exclusive package of, of you know discounts and promotions and benefits for the lifetime of that shareholder so we think that you know limiting it uh, makes it all that more special aggravation is hosting one live sale this month in partnership with johnstone's auction mart a live commercial cattle sale will be held in moose john november 28th the sale will be broadcast on the internet chris lane is the ceo of canadian western aggravation the Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Scott Bjornson of Hollows Wealth. For more information or to book a free consultation, call 1-800-284-9999. And brought to you by Nelson GM, Assiniboia and Avonlea. If you are a Costco member, get huge savings on current 2019 and 2020 SUVs right now. Grain prices at Viterra were showing upward movement in early morning trading. Canola gained 60 cents at 522.97. Oats rose $5 at 206.53. Number one red spring wheat increased 45 cents at 236.60. The rest were unchanged. Durham 288.44. Feed barley 209.70. Flax 671.75. Lentils 602.50. Yellow peas 322.89. 
Feed weight, 183.72. Minneapolis, spring wheat, December futures went up one and a quarter cents at 5.47 and a half cent a bushel. It's the Livestock Reports on The Source, 620 CKRM. The Livestock Quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn, 842-4574. And now, the latest Livestock Quotes. This is Grant Burnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moosha. 4,300 at a pre-sort on Tuesday. Another 250 cows here on Thursday. Cow market maybe a couple bucks stronger here this week. These good cows, 63 to 71. Sales to 74.50. Good bulls, 90 to $1.06. The light calves, they sold stronger this week, but the heavier calves, just slightly stronger. Here's what happened. These 56 little red and black steers, 370 at 281.75, 125 black steers, 483 at 244. Try load of black steers, 535, topped out at 234. Muddy Lake Livestock out of the Minton country, they had 100 black and black baldy steers, 628 at 205 and 50, and 594 weight red steers at 207. 432 weight tan heifers at 214 and a quarter. The 487 reds at 197.75, the 5 88 blacks at 178. 539 weight red heifers at 188. Big run expected to hear again for next Tuesday, November 24th. This is Grant Barnett reporting. Let's have a great afternoon. And the latest Saskatchewan pork prices, 162.12 per CKG. That's for both the plants in Brandon and Moose Jaw. Coming up, the resource report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report brought to you by Olympic Buildings. See them for ag buildings, riding arenas, hay barns and more. Build with confidence. Olympic-buildings.ca Retail sales were up 1.1% in September to 53.9 billion dollars, blowing past economists' expectations of 0.2% increase. That's the fifth straight monthly increase since a record drop in sales in April due to the pandemic. Stats Canada says its early estimate for October suggests retail sales last month were relatively unchanged. But economists warn that rising COVID-19 cases and tightening restrictions could mean weakness for in-store spending heading into a busy holiday season. Newly introduced federal legislation promises to virtually eliminate greenhouse gas emissions in Canada within three decades. Bill C-12 would require the federal environment minister to set five-year targets beginning in 2030 for curbing emissions on the way to reaching net zero by 2050. Canada has not met any of the goals for curbing emissions set over the last three decades. Strength in the technology, utility and metals and mining sectors helped lift Canada's main stock index in late morning trading while U.S. stock markets were mixed. The TSX Composite Index was up 35 points at 16,945. In New York, the Dow Jones Industrial Average was down 126 points at 29,356. The Canadian dollar traded at 76.57 cents U.S. compared with 76.44 cents on Thursday. The January crude oil contract was up one cent at 41.91 a barrel. That's the resource report. Stay tuned for the closing grain prices at 1.45 this afternoon and an agri-news report at 3.45 p.m. Monday morning, there's another agri-news report at 6.45 a.m. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. Good afternoon and good... 
You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, now starting after the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM.